beneath the load of guilt and shame. Then the hand of Jesus touched me, and now I am no longer the same. He touched me, oh, He touched me. my soul. Something happened, and now I know He touched me and made me whole. Since I met this blessed Savior, since He and made me whole. I will never cease to praise Him. I'll shout it while eternity rolls. He touched me. Oh, He touched me. He touched me. And oh, Bloods my soul. Something happened, and now I know He touched me and made me whole. He touched me. my soul. Something happened, and now I know He touched me and made me Let's take our Bibles today. Turn over to the book of Galatians. <clears throat> Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And then if you get to Galatians 6, 9, then maybe take a turn to the right and also look up 2 Thessalonians 3.13. So we're going to have our, uh, we're going to open to Galatians 6, 9, and then we're going to turn to 2 Thessalonians Three thirteen, just a few pages to the right, and so we'll keep our finger there in Second Thessalonians chapter three, and we're going to look at two verses today, and then we're going to just share just a few moments uh, from the Word of God, and see if we can be encouraged today as we face uh, life, as we face this world in which we live. <clears throat> Galatians chapter six nine. In there we read, and let us not be weary in well doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Notice again, and let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And then in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13, <clears throat> it says, But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. 
one need not be a Christian for very long to realize that the Christian life is a warfare. <clears throat> it's a battle. The Apostle Paul would go on to describe it that way. In the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18, he says, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou, that thou uh, by them mightest war a good warfare. Turn, if you would, to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Again, the Apostle Paul is addressing this issue. The Christian life is a warfare. The Christian life is a battle. <clears throat> In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 through 4, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Now, there's probably nothing more taxing, nothing more tiring than warfare. I mean, to literally take up a weapon and to fight, and in those days, it was primarily hand-to-hand combat with the exception of some, some uh, you know, catapults and some things like that. But the reality was that they fought hand-to-hand, man-to-man, a mano-a-mano. I mean, it was nothing but difficult, a struggle, it would cause you to get tired and weary, probably nothing more taxing and tiring than warfare. Years ago, when I was in the ninth grade, I was on the wrestling team, and, and I, um, uh, you know, I, I, I wasn't the greatest wrestler. It was the first year I'd actually ever wrestled, really, and so they were trying to teach me some things, and I was trying to figure out how to do the moves, and boy, I tell you what, we did a lot of practicing and preparation, and I remember in one match, it was the third period, and you had three periods, and they were each two minutes. And um, it was in that third period of that match, toward the end of that match, uh, that I was down by one point, just one point. And again, just a few moments left, probably one minute left, I believe, somewhere in that realm. And I was on the bottom. And in wrestling, of course, you know, you're, you, someone's on top, someone's on bottom. And if you can get an escape, you can get a point, And then you have to do takedowns and all of those things. And if you can get a reverse, you can get two points, which means you're on the bottom, but you end up on top. That's a reverse, two points. And I thought, wow, you know, I'm down by one. I need the reverse, or I've got to get away from this guy and get a point and then take him down. So there was still work to be done. I was down by one with only just a short time left. My coach was yelling. He's yelling and going crazy. He's doing, sit out, O'Donnell, sit out, sit out. And a sit-out is a move that you do to try to slide out away from your opponent till you, then you can make the, you know, turn on them and eventually do the reverse. And so we had worked on sit-outs and we'd worked on reverses and we'd worked on takedowns and here I was in the, the throes of warfare. <clears throat> a mano a mano, man on man. Last moments of this match, down by one. My coach is going crazy. Sit out, O'Donnell, sit out, O'Donnell. Time was slipping away, and I was just unable to get away from the grasp of that particular enemy. <laughs> we ended up off the mat, and when you get off the mat and you get outside the circle, then you have to stand up, go back to the middle, and the guy that's on bottom has to take a four-point stance, they call it, so you get on your hands and knees, and he gets on and grabs around your waist and grabs your arm, and there the whistle blows, and you're back at it again. He's still on top, you're still on bottom. And so we'd gotten outside and outside the circle, and we stood up. And as I made my way back to the center of the circle, 
my coach was going crazy and he's going, O'Donnell, O'Donnell, what's your problem? What's your problem? I mean, he was going crazy. And being the very honest person I was, I looked at him and said, as the crowd quieted all of a sudden, I'm tired, all right? And it echoed through the entire gymnasium. You could have heard a pin drop for just a moment before everybody just bursted out in laughter. My coach was not laughing. No, he, quite the contrary. He wasn't laughing at all. And I thought, boy, did I just mess that up. I went on to lose that match. <clears throat> My coach, of course, in practice the next day, made a promise to me. He promised that I would never lose because I was tired again. And it began that day. <clears throat> you know, that was just a wrestling match. And I was wore out. I was exhausted. But warfare presents even greater challenges and more difficulties and demands. See, the Christian life is a warfare. And that means that you'll be training constantly. You'll be standing guard consistently. You'll be engaging the enemy regularly. And that's going to take a toll on you. It takes a toll on me. Gideon had 300 men that ultimately he took to war with him. 120,000 Midianites and only 300 men in Gideon. And yet God had dwindled them down to that number. So this was indeed the people or the men that God intended to fight the battle. But only 300 against 120,000 Midianites. Of course, we know that God supernaturally intervened on their behalf. And before it was over with, he created such hysteria in the camp, God did, that they began to even sword one another and stab one another and stick one another with their swords. And in the confusion, they killed off so many thousands of themselves. And then many other thousands took off running for the hills. And the Bible tells us that Gideon and his men began to try to enlist helpers from Israel and, and, and Judah and it caused them to, to, to fight and to continue the slaughter and to ultimately have victory over the enemy. And these 300 men along with Gideon continued to pursue, the Bible tells us. And in Judges chapter 8, verse 4, the Bible says, And Gideon came to Jordan and passed over. He and the 300 men that were with him faint, yet pursuing them. Faint, yet pursuing them. Oh, they were faint and they were weary and they were tired and they were worn out. But praise God, they kept pursuing. Even Christ himself came apart, separated himself from the multitude so that he himself could find rejuvenation and restore his spirit. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 23, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Even our Lord needed time. In our passage this morning, we read in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. 2 Thessalonians 3, 13, But be ye, brethren, excuse me, but ye, brethren, be not weary 
in well-doing. See, when Paul, what Paul is really saying to you and I today, what he's teaching the church and what he's telling the saint is be patient. Be patient. You say, well, that's not what I'm reading there. Well, notice again, he, he, let me just explain. He's saying, don't allow yourself to grow impatient with God or with the Christian life. See, there's a payday coming. But in the meantime, don't be weary in well-doing. Don't get tired of doing right. Don't get wore out in living the Word of God. Don't get tired of going to church and reading your Bible and praying. Don't get tired and weary in well-doing. Why? If you'll just be patient and if you just keep pursuing. In due season, you'll reap if you faint not. So you've got to learn to be patient. You can't grow tired. You can't grow weary. You can't get to the point where you're so frustrated and things don't seem to be working out no matter how hard you try. You just throw your hands in the air and quit and give up. Don't be weary in well-doing. It would do us good to get a little weary in bad doing. It would do us good to get a little tired of our sin. It do it good to get a little wore out on the television maybe and get a little wore out on our culture and our society and keeping up with the Joneses, so to speak. But what he admonishes the you and I to do as believers is be not weary in well-doing. Yep, warfare is tiring. But don't allow yourself to grow weary in right. Oh, you're going to have battles to face. But don't get tired of doing the right thing. Don't get tired of, of being obedient to God. Oh, the battles will come and Satan will attack and you're going to feel the pressure of this world on you. But don't get tired of doing right. We can't forget some things. I mean, if we're not going to grow weary in well-doing, then there's some things we cannot forget. And I want to share three simple things we cannot forget if we're not going to grow weary in well-doing. I don't want to grow weary in well-doing, and I don't think you want to or you wouldn't be here today. But let me tell you, you better remember these three things or you could very easily grow weary in well-doing. And so could I. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and we'll talk about them for just a moment. <clears throat> Father, we thank you again for your love and your grace. And we're asking you, Lord, to meet our need today. Speak to us through these simple thoughts, these simple truths. Drive home your truth and help us, Father, to be complete and to be entire, wanting nothing. Help us to be content with you in our life. and Father, help us to just glean and grow as we ought to this morning from your word. The Holy Spirit of God, work in our lives. Convict us and show us our need and help us, Lord, to overcome and be victorious and not grow weary in well-doing. Well, thank you. In Christ's name, amen. <clears throat> Three things we cannot forget. Number one, we cannot forget the potential. You say, what do you mean? I'm talking about, well, turn over to Psalm chapter 73 real quick. This is, this is so vital, so important. Psalm chapter 73. <clears throat> Let's begin reading in verse 1. 
73, Psalm chapter 73. Kind of go right to the middle of the book, the Bible that is. Chapter 73 there. And we're going to begin reading in verse 1. Notice what it says. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. The psalmist shares his heart and he shares his hopelessness with us. He's being very transparent and he's being very honest today. He's saying, listen to me. He's saying, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. So he shares his heart. Notice position, verse 2. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps well had well nigh slipped. He said, listen, I'm going to tell you, I was that close to falling out of the ranks. I was that close to giving up and quitting. I was that close to saying, forget it all. I'm tired of it. It's not worth the effort. That close. His feet had nigh well slipped. But notice problem, verse 3. For I was envious at the foolish. What does the fool say? That there is no God. He looked at the world and he looked at those who didn't even believe in God, those that thought evolution was a reality. He looked at the world and he said to himself, I'm almost falling. I'm almost slipping. I am that close to giving up and quitting completely because I'm envious of those who don't even know him. And he says, I'm looking at their prosperity. They go out and live like the devil. They continue to sin and they continue to do abomination and they act like God doesn't even exist. And yet they've got big homes and nice cars and they've got a bank account and they've got money to spend. They can go out to eat and enjoy the things of this life. And here I am serving the Lord, serving the Lord faithfully, serving the Lord selflessly, serving the Lord sacrificially, and I've got nothing to show for it. That's why my feet were almost gone. That's why my steps had well nigh slipped. That's why I was that close to quitting. Look in Psalm chapter 73, verse 16 through 19. Just a few verses down. Again, he's sharing his heart and his hopelessness, but notice what else he tells us. Verse 16 through 19. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places and cast them down into destruction. Do you see what happens now? Note his perspective and how his perspective changes his outlook. Notice again, he goes from looking at the foolish. 
He goes to looking at their prosperity. He goes from looking at their lifestyle and the successes that it seems that they enjoy to looking to Him in the house of God. He steps into the house of God and He is familiarized once again. He is reminded once again. He is encouraged once again to understand that this life is not all there is and that every one of us will lay on a deathbed unless Jesus Christ comes back before we do. And we'll face Him. And all the things we have will mean nothing in eternity if not used for His glory. What a change of perspective. And where did it all happen? When he entered the house of God. Don't tell me believers don't need to be in the house of God. Don't tell me you can do without a preacher, without a church family. Don't, 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 don't go there. Because that is not true, my friend. You'll lose perspective. Oh, you won't. Oh, oh I'll keep my eyes on Jesus. No, you won't. You'll get your eyes on the foolish. Just like the psalmist did. He was honest enough to admit it. And may I say that's why we say the potential here. Because the truth is, is that every last one of us, each and every one of us, have the potential to end up in the same place that the psalmist did. Every last one of us. Oh, you say, I'd never grow weary in well-doing. I'd never stop reading my Bible. I'd never stop praying. I'd never stop going to God's house. I'd never stop serving the Lord. I'd never stop being a good witness. I'd never stop trying to live holy and separated and sanctified unto the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm never going to let that happen. Praise God, you've got that spirit and that attitude. But my friend, don't you ever forget, except it be by the grace of God, there go you. You would end up just like the psalmist. You for sure would end up like that if that's what you really believe. And may I say today, there's not one of us in this room, including yours truly, that wouldn't possibly and cannot possibly end up in that same place if we don't remember the potential we have Amen. to grow weary in well-doing. Yeah. The potential. Number two, the power, though. You've got to remember the power. Remember the power. Turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to begin in verse 9. <clears throat> the Apostle Paul's been going through a very difficult time in his life. He's struggling. There's some things going on in his life that maybe he thinks are hindering and hampering his ability to serve the Lord. I, I don't know how perfect the apostle Paul was. I know he's still a human being. And so as he begins to pray, we know that we're going to note that he asked the Lord three times to deal with this problem in his life. Each time hoping and trusting and believing that God can and will do something about it. And we've all been there, haven't we? Where there's a hurt, there's a heartache, there's a problem, there's a situation, there's a circumstance that seems to be overwhelming to us. And we pray to God and we beg God, oh God, remove it. Oh God, deal with it. Oh God, heal me. Oh God, help me. And we get the answer that Paul gets. See what he says. 
And he said unto me, the Lord, that is, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. That word doesn't sound fun, does it? Infirmities. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. I take pleasure in reproaches. I take pleasure in necessities. I take pleasure in persecutions. I take pleasure in distresses for Christ's sake, he says. It was the last time you said, Lord, thank you. I take pleasure in this suffering. I don't even like to ask myself that question. That's a tough one right there. But watch what he says. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. You know what he's saying? He's saying, when I'm the strongest I can be for God, it's when I'm the weakest I can be in myself. When I have no way to dig out, no way to turn the tide, no way to overcome the circumstance of the situation I find myself in, when I can take no steps to overcome in my own strength and flesh, that's when I'm the strongest. Because, see, God's doing it all then. It's in His strength. It's being accomplished and fulfilled. Paul, the apostle in Philippians 4, verse 13, says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Do you realize that if you and I try to live the Christian life, if we try to be good, if we try to do right in our own strength, if we just muster up enough willpower to get to church every week, just muster up enough willpower to open our Bibles every morning, just muster up enough willpower to pray just muster up some willpower to show up at soul winning. Muster up some willpower to serve the Lord, to be a witness. We're going to grow weary in well-doing. We will grow weary in well-doing. We will grow weary of doing right. We'll get sick and tired of it because we'll look at the world and we'll see those that don't even believe there's a God even, and we'll see their prosperity, and we'll see them being lavished with the things of this world, and we'll say, what is the use? Because we have grown impatient and no longer willing to wait and remember that there is an eternity that awaits. In John 15, 5, Jesus himself said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth much, forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. Without me ye can do nothing. Young people, you're going to go to camp this week. And at camp, you're going to think, okay, well, I know how this goes. Been there, done it. You jump on the bus. You know, you try to get the best seat so you can kick back, relax. You hope nobody's beside you so you can put your feet out. 
And then you try to be in a place where you can have a good time. You try to find your best friends and your closest friends and those that, you know, you like to hang out with. And then you get on the bus and you take off. And sometimes, you know, you're really, you know, stick in the muds and all you want to do is sleep. And then some of you are playing jokes and tricks on those that are trying. <clears throat> and that's good for them. They need to stay up. Nobody rests. If we all don't sleep, none of us sleep. But you'll get to camp, and in your mind you'll think, well, I'm sitting in the service. I'm listening to preaching. So obviously, I'm doing right, and I'm getting everything I can get. And I say if you are listening, listen to me, if you are listening in your own strength today, if you're sitting there going, I have to listen, I'm going to force myself to listen. I'm going to overcome my will. My mind wants to wander, but I'm just going to listen because I have to. I'm going to force myself to listen. And you do need to use some self-discipline. Don't misunderstand me. But may I say that if you're not depending on God to do something supernatural, if if, if you're not depending on God to reach down and literally touch your heart with his hand, then, my friend, you are not getting what God intends you to do to get. If you're sitting there going, well, I'm in my place, and I'm listening to preaching, and that's all that matters. No, that's not all that matters, because that's you trying to get what God wants for you. No, you won't get what God wants for you unless you say, God, give me what you want. I can't get it on my own. Right, amen. You realize that? And it's true in every area of our life as believers. There's not one thing that we can successfully navigate or accomplish without His presence and power in our life. But thank God His power is available to each of us. Thank God that as long as we will allow Him to live in and through us, we can overcome. We can go to church with joy in our heart. We can look forward to the preaching of the Word of God and look forward to God speaking to us as we beg Him to do something in our life. We can get something and and, and be something and do something for God if we'll just say, God, I'm all yours. I potentially could fall off the wagon. I potentially could end up in the mess of sin and the world. But Lord, I'm just going to depend on you, lean on you, and trust you because it's your power that I need and no one else's. I'm going to trust you to help me not grow weary in well-doing. And I'm going to keep begging you to help me each and every day and to not allow that to happen in my life. And finally, the prize. Before I go there, Romans says, Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We can overcome all these obstacles. You say, I'm here today, and honestly, it was, it, was a, it was a chore to get to God's house. It's tough. Was it tough to go to dinner with your wife? Was it tough to hang out with your best friend? Was it tough to go to that ball game? Given tickets free because I know none of you can afford to go if you have to pay. <laughs> you know where I'm going with that? Why is it so tough to do right? Maybe because we're weary and well-doing. Man, I struggle getting in the Word of God. You're weary and well-doing. You're weary. It's hard for you. Can I tell you why? Because you're impatient. Because you want something right now. You're not willing to wait for anything. You want it today. You you got your eyes on the world. And you see all the benefit of being in the world, but you're forgetting the benefit 
that you have as a believer in Christ. You don't even realize how good what you have is. Don't look at me like that because we've all been there. Every one of us have been there at some point in our life. Here's the prize, though. Watch this. Here's the prize. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8, and we're going to close. You say, are you kidding me? No, we're going to close. Now, this last point will last 30 minutes. No, wait, no, I'm teasing. We're going to get done with it. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. <clears throat> Notice what it says here. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 through 8. For I am now ready to be offered. The Apostle Paul is sharing with us some final words and thoughts. Again, his protege, Timothy, is receiving word from his mentor that my last days are here. I know I don't have much longer on this earth. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. He's not talking about taking a trip across the country. He's talking about taking a trip to heaven. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You know what he's saying? I did not get weary in well-doing. I hung in there. I never quit. I may have been tempted to look aside, and my feet may have started to slip some, and I got my perspective right again, and I never lost sight of eternity. I kept in the race. I stayed in the battle. Henceforth, verse 8, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. You know what he's saying? Jesus is coming back, and I've kept my eye on him the whole time. I continued to believe that he could be in my, he could, he could open those eastern skies, that he could come in those clouds and take me out at any time. I've been looking, watching for him to come because my eyes are not on the foolish. My eyes are not fixed on the world. My eyes are fixed on Him in heaven. And I just keep waiting and watching and loving His appearing. And because I've kept my perspective and because I kept my focus on Him, there's a prize that awaits me. There's a crown that will be mine and all them who love is appearing. In Romans 8, 18, he says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. You, can, you may be going through some very hard times, and you've... <laughs> Everybody's road will ultimately have some bumps and potholes along the way. And unfortunately, some lives seem like they got detour signs every time they turn around. But don't lose sight of Him. And don't lose sight of eternity. And don't forget that doing right is worth doing right. Because there's a prize that awaits us. Do not be weary in well-doing. Why? 
Because as he puts it, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. There's a payday coming. Not just for the lost, no, but for the saved. For the saint of God, there's a payday coming. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of His dear face all sorrow will erase. How? What? Bravely run the race. How bravely run the race till we see Christ. How what? Bravely? Greatly run the race. I like bravely. We just changed the song, brother. I think the two kind of have the same thought in mind, don't they? Let's run that race. Let's not be weary in well-doing. But let's just stay faithful, keep doing right, realizing there's a payday. Maybe you're lost today without Christ. Maybe you don't even know for sure heaven's your home. That's a dangerous place to be, my friend. May the God of heaven, the Holy Spirit, speak to your heart even this moment and point deep down into the recesses of your soul and reveal your sin before a holy, righteous God. May you see yourself as the sinner that you are before Him, a pure, holy, righteous God and Creator. May you recognize your desperate need to be cleansed and washed. That Jesus only, who died on Calvary 2,000 years ago, will take, only He and His precious blood can wash your sin away. May you turn to Him and say, Lord, I am nothing. I need your forgiveness and your cleansing. Oh, wash me, Lord Jesus, and come into my life as Savior and Lord. Be mine. Won't you settle that today? Be right with God. Be clean with God. And have a future with God. Because of your faith in Jesus Christ. Believer, be not weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time together. And we thank you for the privilege that we have to gather in the house of God so that we